I'm gratefully overwhelmed by the culture of generosity that's growing among us here at Fellowship. For so many of us, gift giving is a powerful way to express what we mean to one another. And as a church family, uh, the gift is a special way that we come together to express to God our gratitude for all that he has done for us. Last year, our church family gave over half a million dollars to ministry initiatives outside of fellowship. We were able to address things like homelessness and sex trafficking and hunger and prison reentry. Uh, the list goes even beyond that. Well, this year, our elders will prayerfully consider how to use the gift to live out our vision of changing the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. So I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating to the gift. You can do so by simply going online and giving, or you can use the envelopes that you'll find in the foyer. Thank you for the many ways that you're helping uh, reach our communities and beyond through the practical generosity of our gifts. And may we never forget to remember the goodness of God. Good morning. Would you stand and sing with us?
You may be seated. Good morning. Don't y'all love the strings? Oh, love the strings. <laughs> uh, welcome to Fellowship. Good to be with y'all during this Advent season. If you're not familiar with Advent, it simply means the word coming. The coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah. And uh, we are just blessed to be able to celebrate with y'all um, all month, we're just uh, we're going to give you all resources, and so uh, a number of them are on the screen. Feel free to use those resources um, as you see fit, or if you don't want to use those, just use some resource, because our heart for you is to take this month and really focus on Jesus. Slow down, focus on the things that mean most in this life, and that's relationship with the Lord and relationships with one another, with those who are closest to you. So use these resources or whatever resources uh, will draw you into a close abiding relationship with the Savior. Each year we do a, uh, a thing called The Gift, and that's where we receive uh, donations. And at the same time, we also receive applications from ministries uh, all over the world, really. Um, and we redistribute your blessing. So um, as you uh, feel led, please give to the gift, and we will uh, give those away as well. In two weeks from today is Christmas Eve. Can y'all believe it? Two weeks from today. So it's a Sunday this year, and we will have normal services, or services at our normal hours, 845 and 1030. Uh, we'll have evening services as well. So pick your service, come and celebrate with us on Christmas Eve. Lastly... We have, this is the last week for elder nomination. So uh, by December 11th, if you would like to nominate someone for elder, please do so. And if not, um, that even if you don't nominate someone, please be praying with us because this is an important role uh, within our church body. And in that spirit, let me pray for us this morning. Well, Lord, we do love you. Thank you for bringing us together uh, as a local body of believers that we get to elevate your name, think about your goodness, and be together. Lord, would you draw us into a deep, abiding relationship with you? Pray for our relationships with one another. They would honor and glorify you. Lord, would you just use us this, this Christmas time, too, to be a blessing to those around us? Lord, you blessed us so much, and we're grateful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken.
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. High King of heaven, you stepped from your throne took on our flesh and made this world your home trembling in reverence lord we look above overcome by such unmerited love all right church you know the melody let's sing it out together jesus my savior I bow at your birth, awed by the mercy that brought you to earth, leaving the angels in glorious light for the deep shadows of Bethlehem's night.
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. My joy, my world. 
sixth month and Mary said my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble and the state of his servant from now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me holy is his name his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation he has performed mighty deeds with his arm he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised his ancestors. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of song the way you use it to uh, lift our spirits, to touch our hearts. Thank you for the way that you let us return that gift back to you, that you use song to let us lift our praises to you. And we do pray this morning that, uh, as your psalmist says, uh, the words uh, of our mouths, the meditations of our heart, that they were pleasing to you. For it's in your presence we gather and we gather because of the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you that he has come, that he lived and he taught and he worked among us, that he died on a cross and he rose from the dead, that he ascended and sits on a throne and that indeed he will come again. And we find our lives wrapped up in his story and so it is our joy to lift praise to you. Shape our hearts this Advent season. 
and let us find what you have to give us, your hope and your peace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And Merry Christmas. How are you this morning? Are you well? Hey, if you throw back all the way to 1988, uh, the Grammy song of the year was one written by Bobby McFerrin. It began with a little whistle. Do you remember it? Got it in your mind right now? Let me hear it. Got it? Some of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about, which is okay, because you'll get it as soon as I read you the first verse. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, you did get it. And in case you lost the message of the song, here's the last verse. Now, here is a little song that I wrote. I hope you've now learned it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Here's the bizarre thing. All the verses in between those speak of some kind of hardship that hits your life. Got evicted, lost your pet, can't pay the bills, lost a relationship, and the punchline is always the same. Don't worry, be happy. In fact, if that doesn't convince you enough, the bridge of the song says, because when you worry, your face will frown and that will bring the rest of us down. So don't worry. Yeah. That song, when you Google up the number one list of happiest songs ever written, the number one song is that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, which is crazy because you and I know that that is not about happiness at all. That is just denial set to a little catchy melody. That's all that is. That's how therapists continue to keep their living well-made. Now, we know that. Contrast that with another popular song about happiness. And this one goes back, way, way back. It's a big throwback. It's the song of Mary. It's called the Magnificat. The lyrics were just read for us. The lyrics were actually words that Mary speaks when she visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. And as Mary approaches Elizabeth, the Gospel of Luke tells us that in utero, uh, John, as a fetus, leaps for joy at the coming of this child. And think about what that means. That the advent, meaning the coming of Jesus Christ, caused even John inside the womb to leap for joy. Folks, do you see where the source of real joy comes from? It comes from the coming of a Savior. And it tells us something about the source of real happiness. It has to be connected to Advent. Mary then responds in song. By the way, the song has three movements in it. And the first movement is found in verse 46 that we already heard, which is, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So the opening line of the song tells us the source of joy. Joy is not found in a Bobby McFerrin sense of denial of reality. No, joy is found when it's fixed on God, when it sees a saving God coming. In fact, we get the title Magnificat from the first opening lines of the song. 
uh, means to, to magnify. The word magnify, it just means to make something great. And so if your spouse tells you, you know, you are really magnifying this little issue, you know what they're saying to you, right? You're taking the, the molehill and making it a mountain. You're making something large. That's what we do. Except we don't increase God's size. We become sanely cognizant of how large he is. My soul, she says, makes large my God, my Savior. And you look at the result of what happens. When God becomes larger through Mary, joy becomes larger in Mary. The next line, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Rejoice means to jump for joy, literally. Everybody's jumping for joy at this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. John in utero leaps for joy at the presence, the advent of the Savior. Mary receives his response, and she then turns around and jumps for joy on the inside. Mary's joy is as large as her appetite for God's glory, and so it is for us. Our joy factor will always be more linked to our desire to see God glorified in our life than it will ever be linked in the circumstances of our life. And yet Brandon and Bethany Cole and their kids just let the, lit the uh, Advent candle of peace for us. By the way, Brandon and Bethany and kids literally arrived, well, Brandon last night at midnight from Africa as one of our global workers. He's the only one that gets a pass if he nods off in the sermon, Okay. We are so glad to have you back. They lit the Advent candle of peace. And so how does Mary's song about the source of real happiness actually tie to peace? Well, it was the famous British evangelist and pastor F.B. Meyer who said that joy is peace dancing and peace is joy at rest. You see, joy and peace are always two sides of the same coin. You find them always together because they find themselves in the same source. And just like joy, peace does not come from circumstances either. In fact, you think about Mary carrying the Christ child. This pregnancy changes everything for her. I mean, for her, it means the possible, most likely end of her engagement and marriage plans to Joseph, at least at this time in the story it does. For her, it might mean the end of her reputation in a small town where it seems as though she's committed adultery. For her, it could mean the end of her life if her small town chooses to exact the fullness of what the law says is the penalty for adultery. See, for Mary, peace is not a smooth ride. No, no, no. Peace is a settled resolve. A settled resolve on something, meaning someone bigger than herself. See, Mary trades up to a greater, more lasting peace that's found not in her circumstances, but in a coming Savior. Remember the opening line of her song, my soul rejoices in God, comma, and then she gives us the title, God, my Savior. And Mary experiences peace on two different levels when she locks in to the saving plan of God. She experiences peace at the micro level and peace also at a macro level. She sees both, meaning she experiences a personal peace, which is why she was able to sing 
be it unto me. But it's also because she sees a global peace. Something's much bigger than her. Think about it this way. Donnie Payne, sitting right over here to my left, is a, an econ teacher at Bentonville High School. Donnie teaches both macro and microeconomics. Why? Because he knows that you can only truly understand the economy if you see the small picture in light of the big picture. So it is with peace. You can only understand personal peace and experience it there when you see it in light of a macro or global peace. And actually, that's what Mary's song is about. The next two movements tell us about personal peace. And then finally, tell us about a global peace. Let's look at the micro level of peace first. In the next verse, verse 48. For he, Yahweh, has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. We experience peace on a personal level when we see that God sees. He sees your humble estate too. This week in the providence of God, I happened upon several different individuals in our body. One just lost a job. The other just lost his marriage. And the other just lost a baby. Listen, when you walk through grief and loss, it's so isolating. It can cause you to feel so unseen, so alone. Later through the week, I had conversations with those in our body who are in job transition, who are dealing with health scares, who are caring for aging parents, and it's led them to confusing places, and some who are longing for prodigal children to come home. You linger in that kind of uncertainty and it can disrupt your peace. Men and women, God sees your humble estate. There's no such thing as too low for him to not have a clear vision on. That's how we experience peace, is knowing that he sees. But if he's a savior, saviors don't just see the issue, saviors act and do something about the issue. And that's the other part of the personal piece that we see in Mary's song. Let's go the right way. There we are, verse 49. For he, Yahweh, who is mighty, has done great things for me. God not only sees, he moves into action on our behalf. He is always working his bigger and better plan, even through the smallest and hardest events of our life. Our family has walked through painful losses in our past, and we've seen God work his saving good out of that. And because we're still in the middle of life, I promise you, our family will once again walk through painful losses and experiences in the future. And we can trust that God can meet us in those same places to bring about a saving good. That's how we experience peace at a personal level. We know that our Savior sees and he moves. But listen, if all we have is a personal peace, that's not enough for us. We're built too nobly 
too much in the image of God to be satisfied with just a, a personal package of peace that lets me and mine have it well. No, we know that the song that we sang together means something to us. We don't need it just to be well with my soul. We were created to know that all is well. So we have to experience a personal peace that somehow fits into a bigger story of a global peace. And that's the next movement of Mary's song. She continues in verse 50 by saying, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. We notice here that Jesus is the coming king who does two things. He, he turns things upside down, but also downside up. And he does that by two attributes that Mary sings of. And these two attributes we hold on to every day of our life if we want to experience peace. One is his mercy and the other is his strength. That's how God writes all wrongs. You put his mercy and his strength together and you have a twin anchor, not just to walk through your own personal things, but even to watch a globe who needs a global peace. God is the one who, who works by mercy and by strength. And together he writes all wrongs in this world. Listen, this, this Christmas season, I know that every person on the planet longs for a personal inner peace. Eight billion stories longing for an individual peace. But we also know when we see Israel and Gaza, when we see the Ukraine, when we see the stories of violence and oppression, we know we long for more than just personal peace. We long for global peace as well. And King Jesus brings both. And he brings both in his advents. And I say that plurally. Sometimes do you ache with a sense of how long, oh God, will you wait to make things right? That's because we still long for an advent to happen. We live between two advents. At the first advent, King Jesus came to bring the peace that we most need, and that is a peace with God. Because if we are not at peace with our creator, creation is not at peace. So in that first advent, in that manger that led to a cross, that led to an empty tomb, that led to an ascended savior, we can find peace with God. But in the second advent, his second coming at the end of the age, we will see a global peace happen where all is well. And our little story and the big story line up in a perfect sense of shalom. All injustice will be made right through the reign of King Jesus. Racial, economic, political, personal, the infractions that are caused by people or the invasions that are caused by nations, the attacks of an accuser or the attacks of a terrorist, 
All wrongs will be made right at the final advent of King Jesus. This God has promised us. And we will see that promise fulfilled. That's where Mary ends her Magnificat song. She continues in verse 54. Yahweh has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. What Mary is doing is tying her personal peace to a promise that God made to Abraham 2,000 years before her. She reaches back to an ancient promise of God that God gave to Abraham where he promised not only to bless Abraham, but also to bless all peoples, all nations, the globe, through Abraham's offspring. And in Jesus Christ, we have the fulfillment of that promise. A king who brings personal peace to the heart, but a king who is coming and will bring the peace we need for this globe. Mary knows that God is not just a promise maker. God is a promise keeper. Do you see for a teenage girl how big and macro her, her vision is? It's so noble that the oldest of us need to grab the same vision. Her vision is macro enough to reach into the future and see this blessed future of Jesus coming again and he will right all wrongs. But her vision is also macro enough to reach to the past 2,000 years to a promise given to her father of father of fathers, Abraham, and know that God will keep his promise. And between a promise made in the past and a blessed future, she experiences a peace in the middle. Last week, Doug Rains launched our Advent series by giving a message of hope. And I was sitting somewhere right about over here during the second hour, and he gave this definition of hope. He said, hope is a present confidence in a blessed future based on God's past faithfulness. And I said on the inside, wow, that is incredibly profound. I mean, just think about it. About 16 volumes of theology have been packed into one sentence there. Looking at human history, including my experience and seeing a past faithfulness of God based on his promises, leading to a blessed future that we hold on to by hope. And as a result, it can give us a present confidence today. And then I thought this, oh no, Doug, you're only partly right. That's also the definition of peace. Our present peace is there because of a blessed future that we've been promised. All will be made right. And a past faithfulness. God will keep his promises. You can have peace now if you will choose to anchor it between the past promises and the future work. And in the meantime, to hold you through the ups and the downs, and you've got them coming, and I do too. We see a Savior who sees you and moves to act on your behalf. That's what gives us peace. But it has to be matched with something inside the human heart. That we also find in Mary's story. See, remember, Mary's Magnificat begins in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
But she said that in response to verse 45, which is her cousin Elizabeth's words about Mary. Elizabeth said, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And don't you see the key there? Faith. Faith was the key to Mary's peace. Faith is the key to our peace as well. Listen, peace and joy, they're both gifts of God, but gifts of God are received through hands of faith, not hands of work and striving, hands of faith. Uh, Peace and joy are known as fruits of the Holy Spirit, but those fruits grow in the soil of a heart that believes that God can do what God says he can do. And so this morning, we will continue to declare and live by faith through song and through the table of the Lord's Supper. The elements will be passed by our ushers. When you receive them, would you hold them until everybody's been served? And then we will eat and drink together. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for the peace of God. We thank you for the peace that we have with God. And we thank you for the Prince of Peace who brings both. Teach our hearts to believe. We anchor our faith now in who you are and what you've done. You are the coming King. You paid the price of sin on the cross. You freed us from death by rising from the dead. We believe in who you are and what you've come to do. Grow our belief as we worship. We will wait. 
down into darkness open my eyes let me
We started our song with these words. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest, our peace in thee. That's where we fix our peace, on the coming of a Savior. The bread and cup, he told us every time we gather and worship, we're to eat and drink in remembrance of him. And what he wanted us to remember is his saving story. A broken body and shed blood on a cross in payment of our sins. But also the promise that he would come again and eat and drink with us again in the coming kingdom where all will be well. In faith, let's eat and drink in his honor. Jesus, in your name we gather, in your name we worship, in your name we live and move and have our very being this week, in your name, all your people say, amen. If we can pray with you and for you this morning, uh, Dick and Connie Nervig are right in front of the baptistry, we would love to do that. And as well, we'd love to connect with you in the community booth. But as the lights come up,